She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Well, Brexit made it relevant. (laughs) It was actually kind of a weird engagement ring because I told you I wanted it back. How can we make it a celebration that feels like it is celebrating an important step in our lives without the hassle and the complication? It, it, is, it is a question that we're asking ourselves how to do it. Neither of us want to be spending the next year planning a wedding. Not at all. The average cost of a wedding in the U.S. is $35,000. If someone wants to send us a $40,000 check on the show... We won't have a wedding with it. Uh, no, and uh, we'll give you our mailing address. <laughs> so just, just, just I wanted kale bouquet. I'm still hesitating between curly kale and dinosaur kale. I will keep you posted. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Hey, hey, happy new year. Happy new year. We have news that happened over christmas big news big news we got engaged but we say that in the episode i know but you're saying it now yes <laughs> why not this is the intro people need to know what they're in what they're in for in this episode we're talking about engagements weddings and diamond rings and how we're thinking about getting married let's get into it so before we get into it I wanted to take a moment because we have a big thank you to give. Jonathan, who listens to this podcast, just donated $50 to the Far Out podcast. We are so excited and so grateful. I mean, I'm over the moon. It's pretty amazing. Jonathan actually asked us for a way to donate because we didn't have one and we hadn't thought about it. And so now if you would like to support the podcast, there is a dollar sign button on the faroutpodcast.com. Jonathan, thank you so much. We're both really over the moon about it, especially because we never realized how much effort would go into producing a podcast like this. It's not just the recording. There's certain equipment we've had to pick up. And I didn't really realize what a process it is to produce, like the production, the planning, the kind of structuring of an episode as well as the editing that you do. Mm. All in all, the whole thing probably takes us about 20 hours a week at the moment. We're enjoying it very much. We love it. We wouldn't do it if we didn't, but it's incredibly encouraging to be supported by you, Jonathan, and uh, we really appreciate it. And now I'm just pumped up to do another episode. Yeah, me too. Any type of support feels good. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Hey there, Julie Roxanne. Hey, Alistair. We've got some big news today. So I've heard. Yeah, because we just got engaged. Yes, over Christmas. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And this episode is about that engagement and a little bit about how we're thinking about the whole process of engagement and wedding. Mm -hmm. And I think this starts really... Well, this starts with Brexit in a way, because 
there's never been a question, I think, very quickly on from when I met you. And this is the first time I've ever, I've always kind of wondered if this would happen when I met someone or not, that I would marry you. But I think it's always been a question for us if we would get married. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, did it make sense? Did we need to do it? You know, yeah, that? Is, that, is that really relevant? You know, I think for us, it's sometimes like, I think it's a question that's interesting to ask is like, is that really relevant? Yeah, do we want that? Is it going to help us? Is it useful for our relationship? Is it enhancing? What does it mean? Yeah, exactly. And well, Brexit made it relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, I hold dual citizenship. I am uh, a British citizen and an American citizen. And this has been huge for our relationship because it would have been so much harder to have a relationship if I didn't. Because as a Brit, I have freedom to live and the freedom to work in Europe. Okay. Uh, without it, I fall under the Schengen visa, which is three months and a six month period, which okay. is on my American passport. And I'm not allowed to work there. Yeah. And this is how we've been living in France for a large part of the last year. And it's been super convenient. It's been amazing. I can't stay in the U.S. for more than three months. And in between periods of three months, I have to have a significant departure. That's what which it says, which means... We don't even know what that means. Don't really know. So it's definitely been an interesting ride to be in a multicultural relationship because this is my first serious multicultural relationship. And that question never really occurred to me. But it's feeling very frustrating at times to realize that the... The system with nations and borders and visas and things like that is, uh, even though I understand everything that it, why it exists, it's making our individual lives very tricky. Because, for instance, without this UK passport and, and the UK being in Europe, which is soon going to happen, we can't live in the same place all year round. No, we can't live in the same place for more than three months. Or may, or six if we decide to go to a country that has visas that are, that are six yeah, but months. In, in but our, then in, in our, our own, own countries, countries yes. we can't live for more than three months. So that forces us to go to a third country where neither of our families are. And yeah, it's this is my first uh, multicultural, multinational relationship too. And uh, it's shining a light on one of the clumsier sides of the nation state which is that it has certain boxes that it wants its citizens to fill if they're going to be citizens or if they're going to have the right indefinitely to live there. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, that includes, like, they want to see things like utility bills and medical insurance and, like, a certain amount of income where mm -hmm. you're not going to be a burden to the state. And when you get down to the details, that's really difficult with our life where we're living off our savings, not income right now yeah and we don't have utility bills our utility bills last year for the last like four months was like one euro for water and 12 euros for electricity the other way around the other way around one euro for yeah electricity 12 for water yeah and uh but i mean we live but on we don't have paper we don't have papers that. it's not in our name uh so we have very little proof of anything and when you look at the daunting forms that the French government or would want us to fill out, we're never going to make it at this point. We just don't fit the boxes, which is I've. It's been a long time since I've fit the boxes, but it's uh, it's always frustrating. And I think this is unique a little bit to. It's definitely a more modern problem because even if you have these kind of relationships in the past, 
usually one person is moving to the other person's country. Yes. And while we live in France right now, our aim right now is not really to live in France for the next five years or 10 years. It's not for me to come and transplant myself into France. Yeah. And it's not for you to do the same in the U.S. We would like to be a lot more mobile than that. Mm -hmm. And that lifestyle is not understood by the nation state. Yeah. Or by our governments, at least, I should say. And so it's been a bit frustrating. So this wedding, in a lot of ways, was motivated out of a practical reason. Yes. Uh, Over the last year, we've been watching what's going on with Brexit and starting to ask questions about, okay, okay, well, what happens? Because, you know, as soon as March, I think it is this year, or May this year, I'm not sure when the Brexit is. I think it's March. Our lives could radically change where we, we have a caravan in France that... I can't live in full time. Yeah. Uh, which we never, we didn't really see coming at the beginning of this. And I think there's something else about, you know, on this practical part about a wedding, which is a wedding, in my view, and I, I know it's not always been this way, it should serve us, mm-hmm. right? Like it should be, we should do it if it furthers our, if it's important to us, if it's meaningful, right? Yes. And so I think the rest of this conversation is a kind of a question about, what does a wedding what is a wedding for and yeah. and how might it serve us and i hope and i know you hope too that it's a bit of a springboard for everyone listening it's not so much a critique of what you may have done or what you want to do but uh it's more a thought experiment and maybe other because ways of thinking about it because it's it's one that we're going through right now yeah. we are having a big we're we're actually thinking about wedding and celebration and how to go about it for the year that's coming right now and so and we it, are asking those questions to ourselves mainly and it's tough because we come preloaded with all sorts of expectations and ideas about what it is i mean every girl from the beginning has been watching disney movies you know with these with these amazing the weddings ending, the ending is when you get married yeah you know, everything after that doesn't exist and the men have been being told you know like from a very early point we're we're told about the diamond ring that we have to buy and mm. and, and and all this you know leading up to it and i remember in my early 20s being told something like i can't remember if it was three months or six months but basically like the idea was you should pay three to six months of your take-home pay for a ring doesn't matter how much you make it's not about that it's about it's about like how much it makes you bleed you know like how much it costs yeah and i hated this i hated this idea it seems like such a such a such a trick you know I definitely don't want that, you know? I don't want a man to do that for me, for a ring, for a ring with a rock on it. I I don't, like, I really don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. And this is one of the reasons why I love you, Julie Roxanne. (laughs) 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 Because in my early 20s, I used to go on rants about diamond rings, you know? I think a lot of us guys probably did. We're like, oh, diamond ring is such a... It's just a rock, you know, and da, 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 da. and people would listen to me and, you know, they always had that look in their eye like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. We all get it. But it's going to happen to you tough, too, buddy. Tough luck, Buster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to meet a woman. You're going to have to buy the ring just like the rest of us. So, And uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm but... so happy to be that woman. <laughs> so... What did actually happen was I gave you a ring that means a lot to me. 
It's a ring I had made actually just before I met you in India. And it's handmade. It's beautifully carved using a traditional uh, traditional style. And I met both the brothers who are the jewelers that, that made these rings. And I looked through quite a few. I don't know why, but I had an urge at that time to get a ring for myself. And so it's hand carved with a lotus flower on the back. And it has a picture of the Hindu god Ganesh on the front. And on both sides are Om symbols. And I had them uh, inscribe on the outside of the ring, Be Kind. And on the inside of the ring, this too shall pass. And this had a lot of personal meaning to me, which I won't dive too much into, but Julie Roxanne knows it. Mm -hmm. And I've been wearing it ever ever since. As long I, as you've I known me. I love that ring. I love that ring when you're wearing it. I think it makes you look elegant. Well, thank you. <laughs> so this is actually the engagement ring that I gave you. And yeah. for me, what was important about that was... Two things is one, so it doesn't fit your fingers, so I got you a chain for it, which and now you're wearing it around around and your neck. And it's close to my heart, and that feels very special. Yeah, and the meaning for me behind giving you that ring was one. It was actually kind of a weird engagement ring because I told you I wanted it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it to me to hold on to, and as an invitation to go to India together and have my own ring made by these two brothers. Yeah, and, and it, so it was partly a, a trust thing. I, yeah. I gave you something that I wanted you to, to hold for me, but it was also an invitation, which I felt was very apt for the whole engagement process in itself, mm -hmm. as marriage is obviously a journey. It's an invitation for us to go back to a country we love, where we first met, and have one made by the same jewelers for you. And that felt really meaningful to me. It, it's it's feeling really meaningful to me to to have something I don't know I think the second night I fell asleep and I was holding it and I thought oh my god he's trusting me with this ring and I just kind of felt the both the weight and the overjoyed of like you trusting me enough to give this to me I don't know it felt like such a strong symbol of of the way we relate to one another and much, much, much more than if you had bought me a diamond ring. And it gives me a lot more joy to see on you than looking at a diamond ring that I know represents six months of of uh, hard labor. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I definitely prefer that. But we did get you, I, I did get you a second ring, which I gave you on Christmas. Yes. And it's a silver moonstone ring. Yes. Which is not a super, it's not a very expensive ring, but it had a lot of meaning to you. You wanted a moonstone ring. Yeah, I, I do. And I was actually considering buying it myself, like not as an engagement ring, but I wanted that ring. I actually had to, this was the dangerous part is we, we went to, um, we went to a market right before Christmas. And you were looking at rings at the market. And so I had to kind of like pretend like, oh, yeah. I, I remember I was telling you like, oh, no, I don't like that one. But I was just saying that for every single one. Like, no, I don't like that one. Too big, too small. Just trying to like push it. Do not buy the ring. <laughs> and so it's funny because since you've given it to me, I've I've been wearing it on the ring finger. But it's feeling like it's just holding place for something else almost. And that like once I have the ring that we we have made in, in Jaisalmer or or maybe another time, but it's felt really nice to have it on this on this finger. But I'm also thinking about moving it to my right hand 
instead of my left hand at the moment. Just when we when we actually have the ring made in India or something, I'm not attached to having this ring as my uh, my wedding my engagement ring. It's it's a it feels almost like I don't know. It, it's I don't think it is. I don't consider it my engagement ring. And I didn't either, actually. I thought of it more as a placeholder. Yes. In uh, a nice Christmas gift. So can I give you some numbers, Julie Roxanne? Hit me. The average cost of a wedding in the U.S. is $35,000. It's it's not that much less. Actually, it's a right around the same in the U.K., too. It's around 30,000 yeah. pounds. And in New York, it's almost $80,000. The average cost for an engagement ring is around six thousand dollars. Yeah, and if That's you just... want to, if you want to do that, I think it's fine. But Seth Godin recently he had an episode of his podcast on weddings, and he was comparing it a little bit to the military industrial complex. And he 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 posed an interesting question or thought experiment that that I think kind of gets to the, to the heart of the way we're trying to think about this is he's using that $80,000 number for average cost of weddings in New York. And he asks, what if instead of spending that $80,000 on a one-day party, you put it in a bank account, in a trust for your future child and invested it? And in 25 years, you'd have a million dollars towards his education. And when you put it in that kind of frame, like when you compare it that way, I mean, I know we all like, oh, wedding, it's important. And I, and I get it. But when you say, okay, one day party, $1 million for your child's education. Yeah. Like to me, it's a, it's a no brainer. And I think that kind of exposes what this wedding is becoming. It's mm -hmm. becoming a bit of a monster. I mean, it's gotten so much more expensive. And so much more complicated to organize, too, you know? Like, you were talking to your grandmother this morning, and what they had to do was they found a venue, didn't pay for the venue, paid for the food, and that's it. That was it. That's all and that there was. And there was a was. wedding cake. And there was a wedding cake. But this is something that we are thinking about as well for our own wedding, is like, how can we make it a celebration that feels like it is celebrating an important step in our lives without like the hassle and the complication. It, it, is, it is a question that we're asking ourselves how to do it. Neither of us want to be spending the next year planning a wedding. Not at all. So there's one other kind of interesting numbers and, and we'll link in the show notes if you want to get into it a little bit more. But there's a general correlation between how much you spend and the success of your marriage. Uh, that they found in the U.S. And I think they this was like a, a size of 3,000 people that they did this study on. And they found that as you start to spend more, your marriage is less likely to last. Mm. And I have a couple ideas about that based on just, just thinking about this is that I think possibly one of them is that we're relying on some external meaning. Both the ring and the wedding are very public displays of love, right? They're ways... In, in a lot of ways, that's what they're for. I mean, they're to show other people your love. Mm -hmm. And if you rely on that too heavily and, you know, instead of creating that meaning in the relationship, that can be a problem. And it's very tempting to, uh, I think, to, to buy a ring, to rely on the ring to do that instead mm -hmm. of to rely on each other to create that meaning in more special ways. Yeah. 
And I think it's the same. It feels like it's the same for the actual wedding day because, you know, like as we're starting to think about this together and as it's starting to be clear that we're going to have a very simple wedding, probably people, a meal and a trip to town hall or city hall or and parts of me are like, oh, yes, but the beautiful princess dress and the and the dance and the photos and the da 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 and I'm asking I, it's okay that those parts of me feel that way but I'm I'm asking myself the question like is the efforts and the money that that would require is that worth is that is that needed is it it's like if my desire for it is so strong that I'm okay to put in that much money and effort on it then fine I'll do it and if that means a lot to me then that's great if I get something out of it that's great but The real answer to that question is that I do not want to put that much effort, more so than the money. It's not, it's, I just don't want to put that much effort and energy into planning a day party where all my family is going to show up, even the people I haven't seen in ages that I don't even know. This is like something that's happening too, is that I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, who do I want to see present on the day we celebrate our union? And the truth is, there's not that many people that I want to be there. And I think that goes against a lot of the traditions that could have happened in my family before. So that's kind of like not very easy to communicate. But I have a very understanding family and a loving, supporting family. So I know that they're going to support the way I decide to do this. But I can tell that it's odd. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be probably a bit painful for some people who would like maybe us to get married a little differently. And we have to negotiate that as well. That's, that's part of it. Uh, we definitely don't want to alienate anyone we love exactly by uh in in the way we celebrate this but at the same time we're thinking about this as this is for us and we want to include people in it but it's an intimate thing for us yes it is and, very and intimate it, yeah and neither of us really want to have a big party and so i think there's this whole idea of you know, spending a bunch to out, basically outsourcing meaning, right? Like buying meaning by saying, oh, well, it cost me this much. So like, that's yeah. how much I love you. And that's an easy way for me to show it, for me to show it to you, but you for you to show it to everyone else, yes. right? So it's like, it's very visible. And I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, I asked, is it, that it seems like a lack of imagination and that we can do essentially the same thing, if not better, if we're, intentional about it and just infuse meaning into the symbols we choose yeah. not the symbols a industry chooses for us and there's one other theory i have about this whole study about the more you spend maybe the less likely your marriage is to last which is man if you're going into financial stress at the beginning of your relationship it's going to be harder to stay together if you can afford it great but i wonder how many people really can afford a wedding like that you know i think we're both thinking if we had that money we would probably put it toward our life together oh, yeah and not a, and not a one-day party for sure and i think this is probably why those numbers look the way they do too is that potentially people are going into financial stress over a wedding and that's a tough way to start a relationship I almost want to make that deal, you know, like be be saying to people like, yeah, we're going to have a $40,000 wedding and then backtrack and say, oh, no, I, never mind. We'll just take the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only. If, if only. only. <laughs> 
If someone wants to send us a $40,000 check on the show... We won't have a wedding with it. No, and uh, we'll give you our mailing address. <laughs> Yeah, so I think ultimately the question we're asking ourselves right now and the question I think we're asking on this episode is what is the meaning behind the wedding and what is the easiest way to achieve that meaning? What serves us and also the people we want to be included in this. Exactly. And I think that's a question each of us has to ask because some people will have very different priorities than us, but I'm just, uh, I don't think that everyone needs the whole shebang. Like, for instance, when I hear the amount of money that is spent on flowers in weddings, kind of seems crazy to me because I don't necessarily need flowers. I mean, it's, it's a nice touch, but it's like, I feel like it's an expense that can be avoided. And I, I like what you said. You you want a kale bouquet. Yeah. <laughs> I want a kale bouquet. I'm still hesitating between curly kale and dinosaur kale. I will keep you posted. <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. But I, I think, and this is where, I think this is the crux of it, is that if you want to change the wedding, like we all as a society have certain expectations. You know, we all have those ideas of the wedding dress, the diamond ring, walking down the aisle, yes. the, the DJ, the dance floor, all these things, right? And I've been to plenty of weddings that have been like that. And they're super fun, yeah. no doubt. They're a lot of fun. But if we are realizing that that's not what we want or that's not really going to serve us, it kind of falls on us to have those conversations first off with each other, right? And to get on the same page and they're emotionally challenging conversations. And then we also have to have them with our family who have certain expectations as well. Too. Yeah. And we want to keep all those kind of relationships. Yeah. Right? I mean, we want to keep everyone included. And having those conversations can be a little tricky and disorienting, especially when we're pre programmed with all these ideas about what a wedding should be. I think something that can happen too, but not always, is the fact that. A wedding being such a family celebration, it often can become not so much your wedding, but your parents' wedding as well, and your family's wedding as well. Because a lot of time, in big families especially, weddings are the only occasion that big families can get together. So when you tell the family, like, oh, I wasn't planning on inviting all those people, then it causes a bit of a scene, or it can cause problems, because it feels like there's an appropriation of the wedding as like a something that belongs to more people than just the bride and groom, which I'm sure in the past it has made a lot of sense and was very true. But we are definitely trying to change the way we look at it, I think. And yeah, we're questioning how we want it to be. And we're trying to have conversations about it with all the people that we care about and being gentle and kind and hearing their expectations, but also trying to be true to ourselves. And I think we did mention the practical aspect of getting engaged and deciding to get married and going hand in hand with it is also the spiritual aspect which uh, to some extent I didn't really foresee too much I don't think I had much expectations around it but I'm, I'm starting to recognize that there are a few spiritual elements to to the decision of getting engaged and, and married yeah so I think two things that were important to me about the engagement was one we don't have our families together very often. Both of our families live in different parts of the world. And this was an opportunity because your mom and your brother was here. And my mom, dad, and uncle were here. And we're all at my grandmother's house. 
So we didn't have all the family here, but we had a lot of it here. And I wanted to celebrate with everyone. I wanted to include everyone in it. It would have been very different, I think, to have gotten engaged at the caravan, for example, and just told everyone on the phone. Yeah. It was a lot more fun to make it a part of the holiday celebration. And I think something that was really special for me was seeing the way our moms reacted. Yeah. They kind of jumped up and down and hugged each other and started calling each other sisters. It and... was, that was like one of my favorite parts of it. And I, this was really powerful because it's one of those moments where the families actually forge bonds with each other. Yeah. It was an intense moment and it was really powerful. And I think uh, our families are closer together for having experienced it together. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm glad we were able to do that. Yeah. It was also important the actual place was particularly dear to me. We've been celebrating Christmas at my grandmother's house in the countryside in southwest England. And this has probably been the longest running place in my life as far as like my parents and I moved when I was seven, but my grandma's been here her for quite a while. And her mother, I think it was her mother who had this house built. So it goes back a ways. And my parent, my mom and my uncles also have a lot of childhood memories here. And basically it's a very, it's an emotional center for me. It's a very important place in my life. And where I asked you to marry me was on our favorite walk, on my favorite spot of our favorite walk. It's There's a bench on a grassy hill that looks down across the English countryside. It's green pastures for animals. There's all, there's all sorts of birds. It kind of gently slopes down towards a, the Blagden Lake. On the hill right across from us is the church. Outside is the graveyard where my grandfather's buried. And it was a significant place for me because, one, I grew up there. I remember walking through those fields as a kid. But, two, my grandfather's buried in the cemetery. And so, actually, where I asked you was halfway between my grandfather's burial site and my grandmother's house. And it felt really uh, special. And what I really liked about it was that I was able to make a place that was so special for me also special for you. And now it's a place that will always kind of will be in both of our hearts. Yeah, it, it for sure. That view and the feelings, that was just so special. Thank you for doing it here. For me, it's been interesting to observe the... Uh, yeah, the ways it's been more important than I thought to like be engaged. I, I think between having our families here to celebrate, which almost felt like a pre-wedding, you know, like to some extent. It felt like a pre-celebration of a union, at least. That's that's a better way to put it. And also, I'm realizing that even though there's a lot of practical reasons for getting married, and to some extent, I don't think that our love needed that stamp approval from a piece of paper to say that we are in a committed journey together, it is still going to be a shift we're we're changing from being two single people to like more of a union at least this is the meaning that I'm feeling I'm putting into it celebrating our union definitely feels like a big step and I'm realizing that I'm really glad that we are getting we are engaged now because it feels like it's giving me a buffer zone to integrate all the things and to prepare myself for that next step rather than just like going from 
in a relationship to just having a wedding without doing the without having an engagement period. I didn't really think that it would mean that much to me or that it would be important. But it's been surprisingly spiritual to uh I don't know, like have the time to realize that in a few months I'm I'm going to be married and that is kind of a freakish thing to say in my own head, you know? Kind of takes a life of its own. Yes, yes. And which is why it's important to always pay attention to to like the pre-programmed meanings sometimes because I do think that even with getting married, we imbue the meaning that we want into it and I think it's up to us to decide what we want it to be. But it does come with a set of pre-programmed assumptions, but more so than just that, I do think that there's something deeply spiritual about deciding to have our families come together to witness us get married. Yeah, and maybe it took the uh, kind of the carrot dangling on the stick, which I think in this case was continued freedom, like, right, the freedom to live in Europe and yeah, whatnot, yeah. to entice two marriage skeptics to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to get married. Yeah, and I'm really happy that we're on this journey together. Mm. Me too. I wouldn't want to be on it with anybody else. Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, well, first of all, write congratulations in the comments. That's just that's just good good manners. <laughs> Shaking my head over here now. <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts. And there's a few ways you can share your opinion on this episode. You can leave us a comment on our website at thefaroutpodcast.com. Or you can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That helps us a lot. And if you'd like to email us privately, you can reach us at host at thefaroutpodcast.com. Did I get it all? I think you said everything. Everything? Yeah. Well, until next time. Toodles! Toodles. <laughs>